spirit. So how are we going to pray in the spirit? We need to use some scripture when we pray. We need to pray with some substance. We need to make a request, not just whine and go around in circles. And then he says, pray for me that I would go boldly proclaim the gospel. So when we're praying for our issues, let's not forget that this, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about something bigger than what's annoying us at this moment. Um, so Jesus' disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. Okay. So he said, this is the kind, this is the format that you pray with. You don't have to pray these exact words. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is the next line? Thy kingdom come. Yeah. Can we say that one again? What is that line? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Okay, that's right. So what is the very first thing that we say after we say, God, you're in heaven, your name is wonderful. What's the next thing? Your, 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 your kingdom come. I know, I know we have emergency prayer sometimes, like when we're in big trouble, like, Lord, I need you right now. And, but, but still, for your kingdom. If we pray and we don't mention the kingdom of God, have we prayed in the spirit? Mm -hmm. Bless us and keep it all safe and then we don't get any flat tires and everybody gets home safely. And I feel wow. like praying, Lord, do whatever you want if you're going to do something for your kingdom. Yeah. Flatten our tires and yeah. uh -oh. only do car accidents if it could bring glory to your name. I don't really. <laughs> Oh, I'm scared. I <laughs> but I have thought about it. Like, keep us safe. Keep us happy. And yeah. it's like, do something, Lord, yeah. for your kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And if it causes me some inconvenience, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. So we got to pray in the spirit. Yeah. That's good. And that is where we belong. Okay. Erica's worried there that I'm not going to get done on time. She's like, move me along. Perfect, Erica. Perfect. No, no. I'm we don't need to eat. Perfect We can skip lunch. Right? <laughs> we don't need to eat. And if Erica gets hungry, boom, boom, boom. We <laughs> This is my lunch. This You're what I get from hanging around with you all. <laughs> This is a very interesting thing in spiritual warfare. Stay under authority. Now, we all talk, resist the devil, resist the devil. What is the phrase that comes just before yeah, resist yeah. the devil? Submit, Submit to God. God. That's good. How are you going to resist the devil standing out there all by yourself? Yeah. The devil's not afraid of you. No. He's afraid of God. Yeah. That's good. You know, the Lord gave me the privilege and opportunity to work with a young lady who was very, very entrenched in some very um, satanic types of things. She looked like a perfectly nice girl. She went to Taft High School in another church in another place. She came to the youth group, but her father was a sorcerer and he had assigned her de demonic uh, guides from her birth and things like wow. that. So she was in big trouble. And, and also I was raised in Mexico and I heard stories and saw some things that there are real things that happen like there's witch doctors who get powers from evil spirits and things like that but that was such a object lesson for me when i saw some of the manifestations of real spiritual warfare i know the battle's in your mind but things can happen yeah come on right 
And uh, this is where I learned some things. And I remember calling my father and asking him for advice because he's, you know, he's a, a, a missionary, a minister. And he would say, stay on the phone, stay under authority. I'm like, Dad, I'm talking about this girl. She needs this and this and this. And he says, stay under authority. He said, stay under the authority of your husband. Stay under the authority of your pastor. Yeah. Don't You stay under authority because of God's authority. He has set up some structures. That's right. And he's authority. he has authority in the church. And he has authority in the home. So then in the middle of the night, this girl would call me. I'd say to my husband, I got to go. I got to go. She's in trouble. And he'd say, no, we're going to pray right here. I'm like, what? I gotta go there <laughs> and then like stay under authority you know and then we get out of bed we pray for her and then she'd call me still oh, never mind you don't have to come I think I'm okay now but you know God sets things up for a reason and, and there's a principle here uh, I, I never liked any of this stuff about authority when I was a teenager and, and <laughs> tell I the was, truth oh boy when I was 13 I was awful and I just got worse I just did not like authority but I, I had to learn this but authority is so important Yes. And the Bible says that rebellion is like the sin of yes. witchcraft. Yes. So if we are rebelling against, oh, sorry, if we're rebelling against, say that again. Yes. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So that um, if we stay under authority, mm. if we don't get out from under authority and rebel against that, we are opening ourselves up Come on. to trouble. Come on. Okay. So in the in an incident in the Bible, the New Testament. Uh, Jesus is doing miracles and the chief priests and elders are saying by what authority are you doing these mm. things because he was doing supernatural things yeah he wasn't doing things that they could do and he says why what authority and who gave you that authority mm. and of course we know the answer he he was the son of God by that authority he was working so mm -hmm. we're putting ourselves under that authority mm. yeah okay uh, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> the centurion, in another story in the New Testament, he understood about authority because Jesus, he wanted his son to be healed, and Jesus said, I'll come to the house, and he said, you don't have to come to the house because I am a man under authority, on. and I saved my servant, go, and he goes. He didn't yeah. say, I am a man of authority, yeah. so I saved my servant. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's so good. The preposition right there, it's yeah. not of, it's under. Wow. He didn't say, I'm a man of authority. I know how to boss people around. He said, no, I'm a man under authority. Yeah. And because I am under the whole authority of Rome, I can tell people what to do. And then he understood that Jesus was a man under authority. And so you can put the next piece up here. And so, so that he could say, go, and his son could be healed without even going. When... Uh, Police are search, to search a house, or if you watch the Columbo movies and all that kind of stuff, they uh, pull out their badge, homicide, and they pull out their badge. They're dressed in plain clothes, but they are identifying, I am coming under the authority of the police force. That whole thing is behind me. So with that authority, I'm coming. Okay, so submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He's fleeing because we're standing under the authority of God. Amen. He's coming, he's going to get us, and we're standing under the protection of authority of God, like, ooh, I'm not going there. Yeah. But then when we rebel against that, then we make ourselves more vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So be vigilant and watch. And this is an interesting verse. What does self-control have to do with this? Mm. Why don't we just, like, be watching? What, 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 it says, be self-controlled and alert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so when we're out of control, when we're out of control, when we're angry, when we're carried away, we're not going to, we're going to be just a target. Yeah. We're not going to be alert. We're not going to be focused. Yes. Your enemy prowls around. Yeah. He doesn't wander. He prowls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's looking. Okay, know your enemy. So this is a little bit about our enemy. He is a liar. This is in your papers. You don't have to write. It's all in there in the list. He's a liar, the father of lies. Now, here's something interesting, ladies. A good lie always has a little piece of truth in it. Ooh. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a good lie. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. So in order to deceive somebody, the lie has to have a little piece of truth. Now, think about well. that. Think mm. about that. Okay. So he's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. And, and, he, and, um, and here, think about this. When you're deceived, you don't know you're being deceived. Right. Yeah. If you knew, it wouldn't be a good deception. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm being deceived right now. <laughs> well, then you're not deceived. Right. You know, Eve came out and said after the after the serpent tempted her, like I was deceived by the serpent, and she she's telling on herself. I I believed the whole thing. Wow. I didn't even question it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. The accuser. The devil whispers to it. You know who told me this? Your husband, Carlos. Uh, I, I don't know what we're talking about. I don't know where he read it. But I always repeat everything that everybody tells me. I'm the best plagiarizer in the world. Okay. The devil is the accuser. When he wants to entice you to sin, he whispers like, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, this is not going to hurt you. Oh, this is great. And then, as soon as you fall, he shouts to yep. accuse you. Yes. You hypocrite. Yes. You know good nothing. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yes. But we're not unaware of his schemes. Yeah. Right? We That's know. Good. We're getting to know so the enemy. Good. This is who we're dealing with. Okay. He's our adversary. Okay, I'm going to overstate the obvious. He is against us. Okay? The devil never has our best interest in heart, at heart. He is against us. He is anti-God. He is anti-God's laws. He is anti-us. He's anti-God's design. When you see some, cult, some lies in the culture that are very popular, it's like that is so anti-God's design. Yep. That is that. And he's a destroyer. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And First Peter says he's seeking who he can devour. The devil is never kind to the people that he uses. He uses people to do his work, but he doesn't reward them. He just he devours them, and he's done. Wow! Because he is a liar and a deceiver and a destroyer. He has no other motivation. Okay. So what does he do? He devours, kills, steals, and destroys. Okay, go. <laughs> so we understand him. So now we need to resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, so let's look at this. The battle is in your mind, although we see things happening, the ultimate battle and victory is in our mind. Our enemy uses lies to deceive us, to discourage us, to tempt us to sin, to keep us in bondage. Okay, it's not just for a one-time temptation, but he uses lies to discourage us, yeah. to take our joy away. He uses lies to keep us in bondage, like we can't get out of this situation. Yeah. Okay? So we need to recognize, that says underneath sparkle, recognize the lie. Mm -hmm. So I did this little exercise, and I'm going to see if I can get you to talk back to me. Okay, put the first thing. Eve was tempted by the serpent. 
Okay, this is the first time I, I looked. There's this could be like ten talks because I looked up all the times where it said, "Why did Satan put this in your mind?" Where Satan was directly involved, and so I'm just like, let's see what was going on. But I just picked three for today. Mm -hmm. Okay, Eve was tempted by the serpent. Now, what was the lie that he told her that she believed? You will be like God. You're going to be like God. What else? You won't die. Nothing bad will happen. You'll be wise. You won't die. Nothing bad is going to happen. You're going to be wise. Okay, so put, you will not die. That's it. That's an obvious one. I try to think of what was at the heart of that lie. So this is what I think it is. Disobeying God has benefits. You're going to become wise. You're going to be like God and know good and evil. Okay, now hold on. Disobeying God has its benefits. You people believe that, don't they? Okay, this is the truth. They would die. And all the rest of us eventually. I thought they would have lived forever there in the garden. Disobeying God brought a curse. To them, to their children, to the whole world. And guess what? They already were like God. Wow. He created them in his image. Yeah. Yeah. He's promising something. Disobeying God is going to give you a lot of benefits. You're going to be like God. You are like God. You're created in his image in that sense. Yeah. You're going to learn. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. They knew good. So what, what did he add to the picture? Evil. evil. Yeah. But think about how we apply that light sometimes. Like, oh, I know that's wrong. I shouldn't marry an unbeliever, but he has a nice job. Mm. Mm. Okay, okay. Go in there. See, last Go there. year I didn't know anybody I could say whatever I wanted. And I'm like, what's she talking about me? <laughs> Job. Job did not know that there was spiritual warfare going on. He was minding his business, serving God, but and he's a, in the Old Testament and, and, and the devil said to, to God, you know that guy Job? He's such a good guy. It's only because you're nice to him. Take some stuff away from him. You'll see he's going to curse you. And so he got caught in the middle of the spiritual warfare and he was not aware. Okay, so he lost everything and he had to wrestle with this decision. Curse God and die wife's suggestion <laughs> or hold on to your integrity and trust God okay now what is the lie there what is the lie somebody guess curse God, curse God and die but that's not a lie I mean that's an option but why why would she tell him to do that because it's going to make you feel better like you don't have enough trouble you want to make you feel better curse God. Yeah. cursing God will make you feel better Wow, that's a strange lie, but I I uh, I think that's what's underneath there. Yeah. Why don't you just say God? You know, God has forsaken you. Just give up and die. She says, "Curse God." Cursing God is going to make you feel better. Wow. An interesting lie. Um, and death is a good option. That's a that's a lie that I've heard some people say. Yes. The truth was that he says to her, "This is a foolish idea." Trusting God gives us hope. Amen. Trusting God makes us feel better. Cursing God doesn't make us feel better. Cursing God never makes us feel better. Oh, I don't like God anymore. I'm mad at God. Okay, good for you. Do you feel better now? <laughs> 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 I 
Okay. <laughs> she Job had a personal encounter with God that few people ever had. He got to see him, know him so intimately. And Job lived, next line, uh, restored him everything to him and lived 140 years. What? Yeah. And his wife said, you'll feel better if you curse God and go ahead and die. Mm -hmm. right. And he didn't believe that line. Eve said, I was deceived. I believed the whole thing. But Job didn't. He said, he held on his integrity. Okay, one more. This one's, one's kind of harsh. I just struggle with this one. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, they decided to tell a lie about the price of a field. This is in the early church. People were under a lot of persecution, and so they were all cooperating, living in community, helping each other. And so they decided the way they were going to help was to sell a piece of land that they had and bring it to the church. And so they did it. But then, I don't know how it happened, the Bible doesn't tell us, but they decided, let's not bring the whole thing, let's just bring part of it, because we don't like to save a little for ourselves, which is fine, they could do that, it's their field. But instead of saying, we sold the field, here's half of it, we kept half, they pretended that they sold the whole thing. Okay, so this is the lie. What people think of you is very important. Act like you're more generous than you are. Act like you're more godly than you are. This is going to make people like you better. Respect you. That's what do we call that? Hypocrisy. Even believers hate hypocrisy. And we should all the more. And so... God said, oh no, not in my church. That's not how we are. Mm. That's not how we do. So the truth is, what God thinks is important. What people think is not that important. Yeah. And God hates lying. Yeah. That's good. Um, people were not impressed, or if they were, it didn't matter because Ananias and Sri were not more respected. They were buried that day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my I, I was struggling with this story. I always have. I'm like, isn't that a little harsh to like just kill them? So I was talking to my daughter and to different people because I'm trying to understand what this means. And like, and this is the question: Why is hypocrisy such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal? Because you care about what others think. You care about what others think. Yeah. It makes God look bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're representing bad. It makes God look bad. And you're uh, living a lie. You're going against the gospel. Mm -hmm. The gospel says we've all sinned. The That's gospel good. says that there's none righteous, yeah. that we That's all good. need him. Yeah. And hypocrisy says, oh, except for me, because I'm a little more righteous than everybody Whoa, else. Oh, you better yeah. preach that. Yeah. That's harsh. And so yes. God said, no, we're not going to. That's not going to. Okay. Let's. Keep going. Um, <laughs> some other lies that we believe that are reinforced by Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat. Uh-oh, 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 here we go, here we go. <laughs> She's going there. She's going there, y'all. She's going there. No one likes you. You were not invited. We'll hear more about that tonight. Wow. You're not appreciated. You're not recognized. After all I've done for her and all I do for this mm. church, nobody cares about me. Ooh. Everybody has nicer stuff than you. Wow. They do physical beauty. <laughs> but don't forget, every lie has a little bit of truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical beauty matters more than inner beauty. Man. 
Wow. God's ways are too restrictive. Oh. Listen to that one. Ouch. Circle that. <laughs> you do, and this is another one. You should not have to live with unfulfilled longing. Mm -hmm. Like things are not right. Why doesn't God make this right? Mm -hmm. Why do I have to live like this? Why do I have to put up with this? Um, God doesn't care about you. Things will never change. Life is not worth living, etc., etc. We got to recognize them. Recognize the lie. That's going to be my challenge to you. That is my challenge to you. Mm -hmm. Recognize the lie. Go ahead. Um, what? Oh, this what lies? Things, what are the lies that the ugly duckling, the ugly duckling, duckling <laughs> for me? I don't fit in, nobody likes me. Oh. Okay, so if you were counseling, giving some biblical counsel to this the ugly duckling, what would you tell him the truth? Next slide. Next slide, next slide. You are very cute and fuzzy. And you're not a duck, you're a swan. Wow. Being different is actually a sign of your true identity. Come on. Come on. See, now look at that little duck. He's holding his head yeah. up high. <laughs> like a pineapple. <laughs> like a pineapple. There are lots of people who love you and think you're beautiful. Aww. Right? I love that ugly duckling. I got, I got I got four copies of that book. I read it to my grandchildren. Okay, strongholds. A stronghold are attitudes and beliefs that are assimilated in our minds through experiences in our home, school, neighborhood, mm -hmm. traumatic, etc. Okay? Strongholds are habitual patterns of thought, a mindset of hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that are contrary to the will of God. Okay, so here's another picture. If you wanted to get an elephant to obey you when he is enormous and weighs whatever thousands of tons that he weighs, this is what you do it when he's little. An elephant is very helpless as a little baby elephant. Mm -hmm. And he's cold and he's alone and you give him a blanket and you tell him, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna click those things with America, you are a weakling, <laughs> you need someone to take care of you, you belong to me and have to do what I say. Mm -hmm. And so sure enough, time passes and that elephant gets to be this size. He could knock that man over with his trunk. Mm -hmm. And he's still believing those lies, the stronghold. And that man could put one little one little rope around his leg, and that, that elephant could pull down a tree yeah. or a building. But that man could put one little rope around his leg, and in his mind, that stronghold is, you're weakling, you need someone to take care of you, you belong to me, you got to do what I say, and he can't break out of it. And he needs, someone needs to go whisper in his ear, hey, yeah. Look at yourself. Yeah. You're enormous. Yeah. You're strong. Yeah. Awesome. Look so at you. Good. Okay. Wow. Next. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. And we win spiritual battles when we take captive every thought. Yeah. So we have to be alert when we start going down that path of reinforcing those negative things. We have to catch it mm -hmm. and say, no, that's not Amen. true. This is the truth. This is our identity in Christ. Okay. I forgot what I put here now. Resist. Resist. We're still resisting. Okay, summarizing. Stay under authority. Number two, remember who God is. He's omnipotent. He's the creator. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. 
He's also compassionate, forgiving, and loving. So you're under his authority. Remember who he is. Remember who you are. Next. You're a child of God. You're loved. You're accepted. You're forgiven. You're protected. You're strong in the Lord. I think if we said this in the morning every day, it would really help us be alert to the lies that are going to come our way. And then, number four, identify the lies. Yeah. <laughs> Compare it to scripture. Uh, does that sound right? Does that sound Bring it into the light. Uh, and then look for a way of escape that God provides. Okay, I just have to tell this story about the way of escape. Go ahead. See, how am I doing? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You can put that fifth one up there while I tell the story. Don't give the devil a foothold. Okay? Don't give the devil a foot in the door. There's certain things that if we, uh, um, like anger, for example, the Bible says if you're angry, be careful in your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. A foothold means like you open the door a tiny bit and he puts his foot in there and then you can't close it. And he has his foot in there so that he can push the rest of the way in as he goes. Look for the way of escape. This is something interesting. Have you ever thought back of when you fell and fallen into something that God was giving you a way of escape and you found it, or God was giving you a way of escape and you didn't even look for, you didn't even realize it? Okay, this is my favorite story. Um, um, Joanne's son, Gio, gave this as a testimony on Sunday, and some of you heard it. Uh, and so he said it publicly. I, I'm going to say it publicly, too, because it's his testimony. But he said that when he was in seventh and eighth grade, he was struggling and um, with people, you know, beating him up and bullying him and trying to entice him to do things that he, should, he knew he shouldn't do. And that he prayed and he asked God to help him. And he said, and then my mother found my phone and she looked at all my stuff, my snap. And he said, that was an answer to prayer. Mm. And I was so amazed because I also have raised children. And uh, I was so amazed that I wrote Joanna a text and I said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to that man, but my father who's in heaven. Amen. Because that was true. He realized that that, because sometimes we think that the way of escape is making our problems worse. Yes. Yeah. But it was Same actually the way of escape. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so for yeah, a teenager, good. if your mother's on your case, you're like, oh man, I got all this going on, and now my mother's on my case, and yet that was the way of escape mm -hmm. that brought it to the light. Mm -hmm. So look for the way of escape. Okay. <coughs> um, and then you have to struggle. You have to resist. It says, don't let sin reign in your moral body to obey its desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. This includes your mind. Yeah. If you like read things or sit there and absorb certain things that you see on the internet, you are kind of offering that part of that your body to be filled with certain things. Yeah. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life, and offer every part of your body to him as an instrument of righteousness. Romans 6, next. It's on your paper. You can read it. But, and don't you know that if you offer yourself to something to, obe to obey, then you become a slave to the person you obey. So, yeah. slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Yeah. Okay. So then restore. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Okay, since we already talked about hypocrisy, let's not pretend that we don't fall. Oh. We do. And we sin. And we do things we're ashamed of. And we do things that we know better. Next yeah. slide. So the Bible tells us, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit 
should restore that person gently. But watch yourself so you're going to be tempted. So you don't be tempted. Not that you're going to be tempted to the same sin. You're going to be tempted to be judgmental yeah. and yeah. hypocritical. And yeah. well, so that's good. Restore yeah. gently. Mm. If somebody is, uh, go ahead, whatever. If someone is struggling not to drown and calling you for help, this is not the time to hit them over the head with the oars and rebuke him for going to the deep water. That will come to you later. Come on. We'll talk about that later. But we have to restore gently. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. The battle, oh, in a battle, we care for the wounded. We carry them off the battlefield in the line. We don't say, look at her. Look at how she is. She's so messed up. We need to go restore. We need to go pull them out of there. Okay. And this is Psalm 51. It's a yes. psalm of restoration, of confession. Read this out loud with somebody. Read this out loud yourself when you fall. It's so beautiful because God has mercy on us, and he forgives us, and he cleanses us. And then we teach others his ways. Now, in this next slide, this is, um, go ahead. This is a difference between recognizing God's voice yeah. and recognizing the enemy. Oh. Okay? God convicts us of sin and makes our guilt, we feel guilty, in order to be forgiven and reconciled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that side over there, conviction of sin and guilt, forgiveness, and reconciliation. The enemy, however, who copies God but twists things, wow. he condemns us. Condemnation. It's not convicted. He's like, it's shame, bondage, and isolation. Wow. That's good. So we need to recognize godly. This is a great, this is going to be a whole sermon here. You can preach it sometime. You got a lot of opportunities. Godly sorrow brings repentance and leaves no regret. 2 Corinthians 7.10. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it says godly sorrow. It, read that. that yes. It motivates you. It, yeah. it, it, yes. Godly sorrow is a good thing because it brings repentance and no regret. Amen. Whereas condemnation and shame brings a lot of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go ahead. Yeah, we're on number four. We're coming to the finish line. Prevent. We're not unaware of the devil's schemes. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.10. Next yeah. page. Renew your mind. You know, the Bible's so specific. It says, this is how you renew your mind. Think on these things. Yeah. This is, here's an idea how to renew your mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, pure, lovely. Hey, make a list. I have a list in my purse of things to think about. Let me see. Wait. Sure. <laughs> and, and think on these things because we're, when we, um, when we think on negative things, yeah. that's anxiety. Yeah. And it leads us down a spiral. Yeah. When we think on good things and on God's word, that's meditation. Yeah. We're meditating on this thing. We're going over and over in our mind. Okay, don't give the devil a foothold, especially with anger. You're angry, don't sin. I tell my grandchildren, God says it's okay to be angry because some things are, are unfair in the world. But when you're angry, be careful. Don't sin. Okay, unforgiveness. Second Corinthians. If we uh, don't want to forgive somebody, that's a foothold to the devil. Oh, really? Yeah. Hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. Hypocrisy. Uh, Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, why did the devil put that idea in your head, the sin? Hypocrisy is obviously uh, a foothold to the devil. And the other thing is fake comforters. Persons, people, food, activities, all these, the mirages that, mm. that Amimati was talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah 2.13, look at 
Um, I have the same verse that you put in there. My people have committed two sins. We give up the fountain of living water and what? We go seek yeah. things that will never satisfy. And that's where we give the devil an opportunity because he'll say, I can, I, I'll show you something. This will make you feel better. Do this. This will help you. The false comforters, and we fall for that. Okay. Um, and then sometimes we have to get rid of the baggage and pay the price. This is a story from Acts. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. Wow. And the value of the books was 50,000 pieces of silver, which equivalent to $7 million. Let's do that tonight. <laughs> I mean, there are certain things that we go to. Uh, maybe we don't burn our books, but maybe we... Uh, put some filters, maybe we get the TV out of the main bedroom. I mean, there's some certain things that would say, if we, uh, you know, want to prevent things from happening, prevent our mind from going to the wrong places, we need to do some things about it. Okay, I think I'm done. Uh, identify the challenge and the lies that we're believing. Oh, and how to help somebody else. This is my last slide, yeah. You want to help somebody else in spiritual warfare. We already said not, what not to do. Restore them gently. Don't hit them over the head identify the lies that they're believing tell them the truth pray like we said in the spirit with scripture sing yeah you know those amber, amber was telling us about that and and i always tell the music team whatever i think about on sunday you are doing the spiritual warfare for us you know you're singing you're you're really putting those words in our minds to help us help them renew their minds and think on these things and um Okay, that, go back one. I'm not going to, uh, that's in their paper that I gave them. I just want to say one other thing. A lot of us are mothers, grandmothers, godmothers. How do we help our children in spiritual warfare? That's good. To be ready for yeah. that. Because they live in the same world that we do. And um, I'm just going to tell you a real quick story. Because children can understand. They can understand that God is good and has good things for us. And that the devil is against us. And they can understand that obeying God protects us, coming under his authority. And they can also uh, learn hymns, spiritual songs, so that they have something in their mind. When they're afraid, when they're scared, they have something to sing, they have something to bring to memory. When I was working with this girl that I referenced from the very beginning, one time at my home, at the time I had, my daughter was 14, my son was 12, my other son was 9, and my little girl was 3. And... Uh, she had a outburst of strange activity and voices that were not hers upstairs. And so the kids were downstairs and we you know, talked to her and prayed over her and everything. But then I came down and I said to my son that was nine, I said, were you scared when you heard that what was going on upstairs? And he said, no mom, um, this is how I see it. He said, you know, we go out to the farm in, uh, in Nebraska and, and grandpa, slaughters the chickens and he cuts their heads off and then he just kind of throws them over there in the pile. And before they die, they like flap their wings and, and, and run around and spurt a lot of blood. He said, that's how the devil is. He's already half dead. He's already defeated. But he likes to scare us a little bit. Come on. From a nine-year-old. Wow. Out of the mouth of faith. Because meanwhile, I'm like, I can't bring this girl to my house. One of my children, what's going to happen? And you know, but we we have to practice what we preach and we have to teach. Yeah. This is the world that we live in. Yeah. We're not afraid of the devil. Right. I wouldn't want him, 
I don't ever rebuke the devil. I ask God to rebuke the devil for me. I don't want to go stand. I come under God's authority in the name of the but, but we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be fearful. Okay, on that note. Love you, Debbie.